for you long. Let me stop singing. So I'm going to time myself because if I don't, we'll be here until Jesus comes and you'll be mad. And there will be a barbecue in heaven. <laughs> so let me, let me look at my time. All right. So we're going to talk about the cross. So join me praying. Let's pray. Let's go to the Lord and pray. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your wisdom and your guidance. I pray, Father, that you'll clothe me with power from on high. I pray that none of me but all of you give me supernatural divine utterance that I may boldly make known the mysteries of the gospel. May I preach as a man from heaven, Father. I pray that as we talk about the cross, the cross that Jesus died on, may it be a reminder of what we should think about and meditate upon every day. And Father, I pray that you'll grant unto your people the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of, my, of their understanding will be enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You have your Bibles, right? You should always come to church with your Bibles. Go to the 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you have a smartphone, pull it up. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I'm, I'm preaching out of the English Standard Version. We're going to talk about the name of my message called Because of the Cross. Amen. Because of the Cross. Life begins with the cross. As a Christian, your life doesn't begin when you're born into this world. But your life actually begins when, when Jesus saves you. Um, the cross is where mercy satisfied the wrath of God. It, 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 it was so powerful at that cross over 2,000 years ago. And it's because of that cross that we have life and life more abundantly. Do you have life and life more abundantly this morning? Well, you say, well, I don't have everything that I need. Well, if you have Christ, that's all you need. Amen. Amen. Or I got a bill that's due. If you have Christ, you have it all. That is life and more abundantly. You may be going through hell right now, but you still have life and life more abundantly because of the cross of Christ. Life is knowing God and his son, Jesus Christ. John chapter 17, verse 3 says, and this is eternal life that you may know the only true God and his son, Jesus Christ. And then in 1 John chapter 5, it says, he that has the son has life, and he that does not have the son has not life. And so knowing God is knowing life. Life is walking with God. Life is living in the community of the saints. And if you're not a member of a church, a Bible-believing church, and you call yourself a Christian, I want to exhort you and challenge you to become a member of a church that believes the Bible quickly. You know, it's, a, it's amazing how many people profess to know Christ, but they don't want to be around his people. If you can't go to church, you can't go to heaven. You may not even be saved. Saying a prayer and to ask Jesus into your heart doesn't mean that you're saved. You do understand that. There are many people in that great day, according to Matthew chapter 7, uh, will say, Lord, Lord, did I not? So they familiar with calling him Lord, but they don't know him. And so if you know him, you will live in community. The triune God, think about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They live in community. And if they live in community, you and I need to live in community. Christianity is personal, but it's not private. 
So you cannot say, I love God, and you're not involved in a church. You need to be engrafted, in, and it's because of the cross that we're able to go and be members of a church and be accountable for your life. So this cross, the abundant life isn't having the best this world has to offer, but it's actually walking and fellowshipping with God. It, that, that's, the, that's the abundant life that Jesus talked about in John chapter 10, verse 10. So did you hear me? Abundant life is actually walking with God and, and his people and learning what community is and learning what, what, what Jesus did on the cross. Most Christians that I know don't know much about the cross. The cross speaks of the judgment of God and the evilness of humanity. I have a son who's three years old and um, you can see the sin nature at work. I, I remember being single and looking at people and the kids running around. And uh, if, if I had that kid, I would be living daylights out of them. But it's different when you have your own. Are you with me? It's easy to say that, oh, when I raised my kids, my kids wasn't like that. And I gave Destin, a, and you can call diapers because I beat them too. Um, um, I beat Destin like three or four times this morning. And I was reminded of that if I did not thank him for his actions, I'm actually feeding it. Yes. And then how the wrath of God, it reminded me of the wrath of God. Because God is holy, he has to punish sin. He's not going to allow rebellion to go on and on without him checking it. And so it reminded me that hell actually glorifies God. Hell glorifies God because it's a reminder of his nature. That he is reminding humanity that because you're evil and you're not willing to repent, I have to punish you. And so that kind of was sobering to me when I was giving him a spanking. That it reminded me of the Father's love. That the, the, those who have been chastised by the Father is whom that he loves. He loves those who, who he chastised. And so the cross is a reminder how he was chastised. He chastised Jesus in our place. Jesus took a butt whooping for you and I. How many have older brothers and sisters? You know, sometimes in a, in a relationship, in a family, the older brother or sister will actually take the, the, the punishment for the entire brothers and sisters, right? And so likewise, Jesus is considered to be our older brother, and he took the whooping for us. Again, most Christians don't know much about the cross. The cross was the most evil deed ever committed on this planet. But yet God's own perfect and sinless son was put to death by wicked men. At the same time, the crucifixion of Jesus was the best thing that ever happened on this planet. Blood was shed to restore human, humanity to fellowship with God. Christianity is a bloody religion. You see from Genesis chapter 3, God killing an animal to cover Adam and Eve. And throughout the Old Testament, you see this blood covenant, this blood mandate to offer up sacrifice to our God. And even Jesus had to shed his blood in order for us to be saved. So if there's no blood, there's no Christianity. There's no relationship with God the Father. And the power of the cross is not the cross itself. You can get tatted up with a cross and still not be saved. That doesn't make you more holy. That doesn't, there's no power in the cross itself. Think about the two thieves. 
There's no power in their death. But the power of the cross of Christ is in the blood of Jesus, in the life of Jesus, in the obedience of Jesus. It's because of his sinless life that his death satisfied the wrath of God. So he had to live a sinless life. This cross. Christ died for us. He didn't die as us. He didn't die um, for himself, but he died for us. You have to allow that to weigh on your hearts and your minds. That Christ died for us. Wow. He died in our place. He was our substitute. The cross has brought salvation to the world. I think sometimes people don't think that it's their personal sins that Jesus died for. Jesus died for your personal sins. Go with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 4. I got four verses. Four verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 says, Now I will remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand. So Paul is reminding the church at Corinth of this gospel. He preached to them. I want to submit to you that some churches, the gospel isn't being preached, whether it's inspiration or moralism or some other gospel that isn't the gospel. It isn't, it's easy to become a motivator, a motivator speaker, motivation speaker, or an inspirational speaker. But how many know we need to hear more than that? I can inspire you to go get your own business, but how I many know you don't have to come to church to do that? You can listen to Oprah Winfrey or somebody else, a, a life coach, and get what you need to actually put action to your dream. Jesus didn't die to give you your dreams. He died to give God's dream, God, bring God's dream to pass, which was to have a family. Everybody got quiet, but it's the truth. Jesus didn't die to give you a Mercedes. Jesus died so that you can have a relationship with the Father and with the Son. The cross is relevant to all generations, to all people. Uh, we have some friends that are in um, the Middle East, and they're missionaries, and they're preaching the gospel in a Muslim-saturated society. They're giving up their lives so they can declare the good news of Christ. This message is for everyone. From the poorest to the wealthiest person, the gospel is needed. Paul is reminding them that they stand by this gospel. Are you standing by the gospel this morning? If not, what are you standing by? Are you, are you standing by an inspirational quote or a prophetic word? But are you standing by the gospel? Verse 2 says this, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. The Bible says we are being saved by this gospel. The question is, what is the gospel? If we don't know what the gospel is, then how can we stand by it? Amen. How can we be saved by it? Amen. We need to study the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension, the intercession, the second return of Christ. We need to embrace that. We need to study it and allow that to Govern everything that we do. We're being saved by this gospel. The gospel is the power of God. I, I believe in miracles and I believe in the miraculous, but that's not the goal of, of our walk with God. Amen. 
It's to, to, you know, to seek, go from miracle to miracle. God is not that type of God. He, he's a God that wants us to live by faith in the Son of God. Galatians 2.20 says, the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who died and gave himself for me. It's not that I that live, but Christ lives inside of me. So for anyone to think that this gospel isn't relevant, they're missing the point of Christianity. This Christianity is not is based on the person and the finished work of Jesus Christ. Anything else is a false gospel. As I study Christ, as I cling to him, I, I, I don't want a Christ that I formed in my own mind, but I want the Christ, the real Christ. I want to have real faith. Are you saved today? Well, I know I'm saved because I, go, I went to church and I came to the altar. Coming to the altar doesn't make you saved. Jesus has to invade your life. He, you know, I, I question some of the salvations of some people who profess it. How can you be saved and live any kind of way? The fruit of your salvation will show up in your life. I'm not saying that we won't have struggles because you're going to struggle with sin and struggle with our mentality and get in renewing our minds. But if you're not progressing, if you're not chasing holiness, you're not saved. The God who is holy, when he saves you, he, uh, he puts his holiness inside of you. He wants you to be holy like he is. And the, 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 the fruit of your salvation is your pursuit of holiness. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13 that no man will see the Lord without holiness. Without holiness, no man will see the Lord. And so unless we're pursuing holiness, it's this cross causes us to go after God with all that is within us. Now look at verse 3. I got two more verses. For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance, in accordance with the scriptures. Let's stop there. Paul placed the, the gospel as the first importance. It's more important than anything else. This gospel, this cross, it's the highest priority as it relates to God. It is the only message that we're called to preach. We're not called to preach prosperity. I, I mean, I love some money. I love having money to pay my bills. I don't love money itself, but I love the ability to be able to pay my bills and be a blessing to others. But how many know that that's not the gospel that we are called to preach? I got quiet, but it's all good. <laughs> It's not a gospel of money comes to me now, but it's a gospel that says that I'm willing to give up all to follow Christ. It's where our hope is. The old rugged cross gave this old rugged sinful heart a new one. Christ died for our sins. How many sin? How many people sinned this morning? Oh, okay. <laughs> Christ died for that sin. What does this mean? He died for our sins. In order to grab hold of this, you must first recognize that you are a sinner. That, that's, not, that's not a really good news to those who want to hear God has a wonderful plan for your life. You are a sinner. You've fallen short of the glory of God, and God's judgment is on you. Okay, I don't want to come to your church. Um, you must first recognize you have sinned against the holy God. He is a judge. Nobody wants to be judged. I mean, this is society has, has um, fed the, the mentality we're not to be judged, but we are to judge mm -hmm. according to God's standards. 
You're not living right according to God's standard, so I can call you on the carpet. The problem is, is if you're struggling in the same area that you're calling somebody else on the carpet, then you are a hypocrite according to Matthew 7. He is a judge, and he would judge humanity based on their sins. I have some news for, for you today, that you're not perfect, that you are flawed and sinful. Now, this doesn't give you the license to go out and say, because I'm flawed and sinful, sinful, I'm going to go do whatever I want to do. You can't do your own thing and still make it in. Without the grace of God, we are doomed for an eternity of suffering. Every sin is worth a hell of suffering. Every sin is worth a hell of suffering. So every sin that you ever commit, have committed, and will commit is worth a hell of suffering. From lying to cheating on a test to um, lying to your children about Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. Every sin is worth a hell of suffering. I'm not saying that you can't have Santa Claus in your house. I'm just saying that don't lie to them. Because you're teaching them how to lie. You must also recognize that Christ is the perfect, sinless Lamb of God. Christ is the only way to receive forgiveness of sins. The entire Bible points to one man and one event. And that event has manifested in his life, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his intercession, and his return. All of those, that's considered one event. Now, you want to be more... uh, Specific, not just the cross, but the resurrection. It's amazing. So many churches uh, preach everything but this. <laughs> it's because the cross, it's because of the cross we, we can approach the throne of God without being consumed. The cross makes it possible for us to have, have answered prayers. Uh, recently, I, I have two jobs. I work anywhere from 13 to 15 hours a day. And and one of the jobs, the keys, I work at Enterprise. Don't sleep on Enterprise. Enterprise is an $18 billion privately owned company. It, w- it was founded in 1957 by Jack Taylor. And in, in 1970s, it start, they started picking up people and so forth. I can tell you all about the founding um, values and so forth because I study it. Um, but um, the, keys, the keys got lost, right? And, and this lady, she blamed me. Uh, for losing the keys, and I'm like, I didn't do it. And so I, I had the church to, to intercede <laughs> and say, I just pray that the Lord have mercy and vindicate me. And he vindicated me the other day. Amen. That was an answer prayer, Amen. and it's because of the cross. Amen. David prayed, prayed prayers like that. Vindicate me, O oh God. So if you know you're innocent in a situation, you can pray that because of the cross. Vindicate me, Lord. I'm not going to try to Protect my reputation. You, you do what you need to do to vindicate me. And how many know that God will do it? Yes. It's because of the cross. It's because of the cross. The cross makes it possible for the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. The cross is necessary to save. Anyone who wants to go to heaven must first go to the cross. You must believe that the crucifixion really happened in order to be saved. Do you see the problem with some preachers who don't preach the cross. The gospel isn't saying a prayer at the end of a sermon. It's a proclamation of the cross. If we don't preach the cross, there is no salvation, no Christianity. The cross is necessary for salvation. 
You must believe in the real Jesus, that he had a real life, that he died a real death, that this is required as a, for us to be saved. Salvation requires an understanding that you are a sinner, that you have sinned against the holy God, and a Bible believer is one that believes that Christ died for them and for their salvation, confessing your need for Jesus. Now, we say this because of some comedian said it years ago, you need Jesus or they need Jesus because they were acting up or doing something ungodly. But how many know we all need Jesus? Yes. It's not just the person who acts up. Think about the worst person that you can even think about right now. Think about them. They, that, this gospel is able to reach where they are. Think about the worst. Let's say Hitler was alive. The gospel is so powerful, it's able to save Hitler. Do you believe that this morning? There's nobody who's, who has sinned so hard, so bad that they cannot receive this salvation. Believing that Christ died on an old rugged cross for your personal sin is vital to your salvation. You have to believe that you have sinned personally, that you have offended God. This cross is necessary, not just in a general way, but for me. He's a personal Jesus. And yet, he's the world's savior. The cross was offensive to the Romans. It was the death penalty of that day. Christ became a curse for us. Not only is the cross offensive to Jews and to Romans, but to us today. Most of us have a high opinion of ourselves. We think we are somebody. The reality is that we are evil beings in need of this cross. You are not good, neither am I. We are wretched individuals who are nothing without the Savior. This is why the cross is offensive to us. The cross says that we are unrighteous. I, because I work in community uh, customer service, I, in the daytime I teach at a community college, and the same people who, not the exact same people, but the same mentality is I had, sometimes some people get on your skin, you know, whether they're students or customers, and you just want to, like, you know, smack them. And, and you, you have to check your heart. And you say, Lord, deal with my heart. And some people, they feel they have a spirit of entitlement. They, they, they feel entitled to do whatever they want to do. And so do you and I. We feel entitled to do whatever we want to do. We go wherever we want to go. We say whatever we want to say. And you don't have a right to do that. The cross tells us that we are guilty in the hands of God. Jonathan Edwards once preached a message called um, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. We don't believe in the anger of God as a society. We don't believe that he can get angry. Uh, we haven't seen the anger of God yet. Well, we will. We either as a witness or as the object. Jesus died and received that anger. And if you're saved today, if you have acknowledged your sins and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you too can be a witness of that anger as he pours it out at the end. My last scripture, verse 4 says this, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. 
Christ not only died for us, but he was raised from the dead. His life gave his death significance and relevance to the saving of the human soul. His resurrection is the approval of his death. It was accepted by the Father. Christ's death satisfied the anger, the judgment, the wrath of God. His sinless life made it possible for his death to be received. If Christ wasn't sinless, then his death would mean nothing. There would be no power in his death if his life wasn't sinless. It's because of this powerful Christ of the cross that we can live. I'm going to give you some applications. How, do you, how should we live in light of this? Number one, you should have your hope in the cross of Christ. Clean, not just the cross, but the cross of Christ. The sinless Christ. Number two, there is no Christianity without the cross. So unless the cross is being um, saturated in your hearts and your minds, you don't have biblical Christianity. Number three, study the cross. As you see and you study the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, you see the cross is pervasive throughout the word. One is have hope in the cross. Number two, study the cross. Number three, pray for God to open your eyes concerning the realities of the cross. Pray for God to open your eyes concerning the reality of the cross. I got two more. Live a cross-centered life. For some of y'all who are songwriters, write songs about the cross. Rap songs about the cross. Those who write blogs, write about the cross. Because we need to saturate the media social media with the message of the cross of Jesus. And last, preach the cross every opportunity that the Lord gives you. Declare it. Sit down with somebody and open up the Bible or, or have a conversation and walk them through the message of the cross. That is not an option. That's a command. One thing I like about Oral Roberts University they have a saying, take God, take the gospel into every man's world. God wants us to take and saturate the world with this message. And when this message is preached, you can expect persecution. Amen. You can expect, if you want to really defeat the, the enemy, the kingdom of darkness, it's not just casting out a devil or binding the devil or pulling down a stronghold. It is actually declaring the good news of Christ. Yes. What, what is prayer? Prayer is you preparing and asking God to move on the hearts and the minds of people to be open to the gospel. And you're praying that God will send laborers in their path that they may hear the gospel. I, I'm telling you, at both places, places of employment, one at the college, I am inspiring um, a couple people to start reading and and. You know, people don't read like Pastor Donna. They don't read 100 books. They probably never read, a hundred, you know, maybe three or four books in their life. And so I'm inspiring. I'm looking for opportunities to win them to Christ. How can I sit down with them? How can I, God, you placed me in this job. Now give me an opportunity to share this gospel. And at, at Enterprise, there's a couple. Actually, I prayed with two of the um, employees the other day. We were in a, one, a suburban, <laughs> really nice, we were in there, and um, 
We pray together. We pray, and I'm looking for opportunities to share the gospel. One young man, he's about 22. He has a, he's a father, and I, I inspired him to start drinking water. He was drinking soda all the time. And now I got him start reading um, Ben Carson, Gifted Hands, and, and, and he's willing to come to church. I said, you should come to church with me sometime. And he, he said, I'll come. And I'm looking for opportunities to witness to him and to sit down and to explain the gospel. Are you with me? Yes. We don't have confidence in the gospel. Listen, people, what it is is we, we have a fear, some of us have a fear of rejection. We, we're afraid that people are going to reject us. Well, guess what? People are going to reject you whether you share the gospel or not. <laughs> so why not be rejected because of the gospel? Listen, I got something to talk to you about. Now, of course, use wisdom. Look, look for opportunities. Say, God, give me an opportunity. Open up a door, not just a door for me to get a raise or a promotion, but open up a door for me to explain the cross and look for it and seek it. Develop friendship for the sake of witnessing. Are you with me? When the last time you witnessed? When the last time you intentionally went into a relationship, not a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship? The Bible says don't be unequally yoked. All right? That's not, I'm, I'm going to marry this person so I can win them to Christ. Wrong philosophy. They probably will not come to Christ because you just compromised. Now, if you're in a relationship or marriage and when a one spouse is not a believer, then the Bible tells you how to win them through the grace of God, through prayer, through acts of kindness, and through you leading your life. That's one situation. But to go in a situation, into a marriage, knowing that the other person is not born again, you're setting yourself up for hell on earth. If you're here today, every eye open, every head up, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Dwayne, I don't know this Jesus, but I, I want to know him for myself. I want to experience this Christ, I want you to be bold and brave to lift up your hands and say, that's me. I don't know Christ. I'm not saved. Is there anybody here? God bless you. Is there anybody else is here who don't know Christ? Or you say, I'm not living the life that I know I should. I'm in a backslidden condition. Is there anyone else? Yeah, man, why don't you just come down to the altar, and I want you just to kneel, and you ask Jesus to save you. I'm not going to lead you, per se, in a prayer, but I'm going to just, you ask God, you, you can go ahead and kneel. You can come. Okay, you can stand. All right, you can face me. <laughs> you, you just ask Jesus to, to heal you and to um, restore you and to save you and and uh, recognize that you that you are a sinner. Say, God, you with your own words, you recognize, say, Lord, I am a sinner, and I need Jesus. And you pray that to God the Father. Amen. Rejoice that he recognized his need for salvation. So pray for his salvation. I can say it, I can take him through a prayer and, oh, you're saved. But no, it's Jesus saving. Jesus saves. Is there anybody else? This cross and you recognize that you are a sinner and you need this Savior. You need the Savior. I want to pray for all you believers that you'll become a better witness. We need to be a witness. We don't witness enough. 
And for artists, it's easy to witness through your gifts. But personal witnessing is a different story. They, most people at my jobs <laughs> don't even know that I'm saying, don't, don't even know that I'm a preacher or a pastor. And I did that by design. I want to witness as a Christian. Stand up. I'm going to pray for you. Thank you, Father, for this young Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are the Savior. Savior, fill him with your spirit. Change him, Father. Change his heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Let him encounter the real Christ. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, meet his spiritual needs. In Jesus' name, salvation come to his house this day. God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let me pray for you all. Raise your hands. Father, I pray for every believer. Pray for the spirit of evangelism. The spirit of, of, of holy living that provokes thoughts and questions of the hope that we have. God, I pray that you'll grant unto us boldness. Forgive us for being ashamed of this cross and this gospel. Now repent. Repent for not witnessing. Repent for not witnessing right now. You ask God to forgive. You recognize your lack of, of a passion to, to witness personally, not just through a platform. But personally, repent now. And Lord, have mercy on all of us. We don't witness enough, God. We recognize if this cross really means something to us, I pray that we'll proclaim it everywhere we go. At home, at, on our jobs, in our schools. God, I pray that we will declare it in a, in a way, in a tactful way, in a way full of wisdom. God, give us wisdom. You say he that is wise wins souls. Oh, God, we're not wise enough, so we need your wisdom. Endow us. Endow us. Fill us with your wisdom so that we can witness. May we be a witness. May our churches be a witness. May, may we be a witness through everything that we say and do, Father. In the name of Jesus, God. Have mercy, oh God. Oh God, give us that fire that even as the day of Pentecost, they had fire to witness, to declare, boldness to declare the good news of Jesus, the resurrection, Father. They went around preaching repentance. Everywhere you opened the door. And I pray, Father, on our job, it may not necessarily mean that we get up in a staff meeting and, and say, you're all going to hell. God, I pray you give us better sense than that, Father. Yeah. That, Lord, that, that our witness is backed up with our lives. Yeah, in the name of Jesus, that we live in such a way that we don't laugh at ungodly jokes. We, we don't do what, we don't lie concerning our time, yeah. on our timesheets in Jesus' name. We don't, lie, we don't rob the people that we're working for, Father. Oh, forgive us, Father, for robbing the people that we work for, God. Some of us have been lying, using the company's time for something else. God, I pray that we'll work as if we're working for Jesus, King Jesus because we are. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that we will represent you on our jobs. In the name of Jesus. Yes. Oh, God, I pray that, and Lord, we'll seek relationships. And this is how witnessing will happen. 
It's not necessarily you go up to a total stranger and you begin to tell them about Jesus. The complexity of relationships is what God uses to witness to them. So it's through your, you developing relationships, right? The more people you know, it's easier to witness to a stranger to, than a person who knows you. So I challenge you to get to know people who are not saved for the sake of witnessing to them. Do you see this? I, I, I put a quote up the other day, and I think it, I believe it's true. Um, Dr. Ed Welch, he says, I, my worst relationship reveals my relationship with God. And it was so convicting. I'm like, wow, maybe the harvest field that I'm called to witness to is right in front of me. Amen. God, give us boldness. Give us a, a greater degree to witness greater love and a passion. Let this cross, this message of the cross, burn in our bones even as it did Jeremiah. May we be a prophet to people in our jobs. May we be a prophet to people in our homes and all the communities. Lord, not a prophet title, but our actual mouthpiece, the actual body of Christ. May we be that church and be that light. God, I I pray that you, you bring conviction. May we not may we may we raise the standard of integrity. May, may we be people of integrity. God help us, help us. Set a watch over our mouths and our minds. And may we not indulge in cussing. Some of y'all are, 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 are use profanity. And I say to you to put away profanity away from your words. Let it not be a part of your vocabulary. For it is it, it brings a, a, a disgrace to the gospel of Jesus Christ. How can a mouth that curses and blesses at the same time. For this is the word of the Lord, that you should not use your, your, your instrument of, 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 of speaking for instrument of speaking death, but speaking life. And, and, and your words reveal your heart. So fill yourself up with the word, and you'll speak the word. Fill yourself up with empire and, and scandal and different things, and you'll speak those things. But fill yourself up with the word. This is a time to study the cross and to understand the cross and and not to neglect the reading and and engagement of the Bible, allowing the Bible to read us. God, fill us up. Give us a passion so that we can share this gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.